Hello and welcome to Exceptional Undergrads, a podcast where we identify young adults that have achieved exceptional levels of success at a young age. My name is Jack, and my job is to explore their tools, actions, and habits to provide practical advice for you to use on your journey to becoming successful. I strive to provide listeners with inspiration that can be applied in your own lives, as I believe it is within the capabilities of any young adult to achieve exceptional levels of success at a young age. All resources mentioned in the episode will be listed off at the end and will be uploaded to the resources page of our website. Now let's jump in and learn some practical advice from the dorm room next door. Today I welcome Cole Anderson to the show. Cole is currently an undergrad at Arizona State University, studying finance with a certificate in international business. He is currently the vice president of his social fraternity, Kappa Sigma, and holds four different positions in his business fraternity, Delta Sigma Pi. Cole stressed to me the importance of getting involved on campus, and it is clear by his stacked resume that he has taken campus involvement seriously. In this episode, we covered a lot of insightful topics, so expect to learn about how Cole casually started a community service club with over 150 members, how he teaches a business class as a student, his best public speaking tips, how he forms habits, his thoughts on social media, and much, much more. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Cole Anderson. Today I have with me Cole Anderson. Cole, how are you doing? Doing great, Jack. Really appreciate you having me on the podcast. Of course. Glad to have you here. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and some of the things that you've accomplished so far? Yeah, of course. So I'm a junior at Arizona State studying finance and pursuing a certificate in international business. Um, I'm pretty involved in on the campus as well. I'm uh, vice president of my fraternity right now, Kappa Sigma, where I've set the record at the at the chapter for most pages memorized, which I've memorized 37 pages of ritual word for word, which is not a fun thing to do. And I wouldn't recommend doing that. But I'm also in a business fraternity, um, and I hold four positions in that. I'm a asset development committee, finance committee, brotherhood chair, and recruitment committee as well. And then I also run my own student organization with about 150 members called the Community Service Club. And we just do a bunch of like big projects and stuff like that. It's really fun to do, philanthropies, all that. And then also I teach my own business class at Arizona State. So it's going to be my next year is going to be my third year teaching. So this year's my second. And basically it's I get a class of about 20, 25 students. And I basically teach them what I would want to know as a freshman and how to set up LinkedIn and network and all the job interviews. And so I love doing that. And then I do a little bit of country line dancing as well. So I got all fun aspects of Arizona State in one. So. That's fantastic. Very impressive resume so far. Mm-hmm. I'll get you started here. I've got a quote for you. I want to hear a little bit about what you have to say on this one, as well as question that goes along with it, like you just mentioned. The quote is, the best way to become successful is to help other people become successful. What do you have to say about that quote, Cole? Oh, yeah, 100%. So um, something I actually do for my uh, social fraternity is um, before I joined my professional fraternity, um, I didn't have a LinkedIn. I didn't have a good resume. I didn't have anything like that. And so something I want to bring over to my social fraternity was helping people in that develop a LinkedIn network, how to job interview, stuff like that. And so now what I do is when we get a new pledge class or something like that, I will go to each person and help them set up their LinkedIn resume. Not only does that help me 
make my resume and my um, network improve. It also helps them to get their setup, which can lead to better connections in the future. So I believe that's what DSP Delta Sigma Pi, my professional fraternity has helped me do. And so I'm just helping that with now my social fraternity, which I find a lot of um, fun and success in as well. That's fantastic. Can you tell me a little bit, bit about how you founded the community service club on campus at ASU? Yeah, of course. So uh, it's a funny story. So um, I was actually uh, acquaintances with this one guy in my class, and he actually ran a, a similar club called the Community Service Club, which is kind of crazy. Um, but he had about 50 members in that, and I asked to join, and he was like, it's like, we're kind of full. And I was like, how can you be full for a community service club? But, um, well, I ended up getting kind of salty about that, and I was like, you know what? I'll just start my own. And so instead of a C, I used a K. So I literally copied the same name except changed one letter and ended up, I was like, all right, I'm going to do more hours, get more money, and get more members. And so he was at 50 members. I'm at now 150. Um, we've done philanthropies that raised 10000 to $25,000 um, in one day. And we do we do a ton of like blood drives and stuff like that. So I like to say I blew him out of the water with um, – my success for that club, but it just kind of started as just a kind of a joke, but now I, now I really think it's really fun. It's awesome. Bloom, bloom out of the water with kindness. It seems exactly. Like, we are helping the community so much and it's like, he's not even doing anything. So <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Very inspiring, especially basically having a competition right off the bat. And you just told them, you know, I'm, I'm actually just going to do this a little bit better than you. Yeah. Very, very amazing. What's motivated you to actually join both a social fraternity and a business fraternity on campus. Yeah, so it's actually a silly story. So my freshman year, um, I knew nothing about fraternities, not social, nothing professional, nothing. And so my friend tells me to come out to this uh, rush event, which is basically mean when you're uh, like interviewing for a fraternity, basically. And so I came out to the rush, and I got a bid. Didn't know what a bid was. Signed that thing. And then I was like, oh, I guess I'm in a fraternity now. They're like, no, you're a pledge. I was like, I don't know what pledging is. I don't know what anything is. So after a semester of pledging, I became an active member in the social fraternity. And it was actually really cool because it started off with 10 members, and now we're about 120. So I got to see it grow to what it is right now. Um, and so I always enjoyed that. That that always has the social aspects, but it doesn't really have, like, the uh, professional development aspect. So um, last semester, um, second semester of my sophomore year, um, I didn't have a LinkedIn. I didn't have a good resume, stuff like that. And my social fraternity, like, I'd say a good – 90% of the guys don't have like LinkedIn's or good resumes or don't know how to interview properly. And so I was like, Oh, I need to help develop that. So my friends, re one of my friends reached out to me. He's like, you want to come to this fraternity? And I actually dated someone in that fraternity. And so I was like, well, yeah, cause uh, it's a co-ed fraternity. Um, and so I was like, yeah, I'll go out to that. And so I came out to rush, met a lot of people really enjoyed, uh, conversations I had. And so, um, I ended up joining that and then it, they've helped me so much with everything. So, I really, really am thankful to find that uh, professional fraternity as well. That's fantastic. So it really gives you both aspects of a professional sense and then a social one as well where you can balance the two. That it's a great sense. mix, yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. You listed off many different qualifications and leadership positions that you are in both the fraternities as well as the community service club that you overthrew somebody with, I guess you could say. <laughs> but what what's really inspired you to take leadership roles within these within the community yeah so um it actually started my freshman year like i said when i was a pledge of kappa sigma um i was elected pledge class president for my pledge class and you find out shortly you shouldn't give pledge class president to a guy who doesn't know anything about a fraternity and 
well, yeah, I just gave one speech and that's how they elected me. And so ever since that, it was just chaos for me. And I didn't know, I didn't know how to manage a team. I was leading 30 kids and I didn't, didn't know what I was doing because I didn't know like the expectations or anything like that. And so about a month in, I just, I got like, um, demoted from pledge class president because I was so stressed. I couldn't do it. I was playing club baseball for ASU. I just couldn't, I couldn't manage all that. And so something that I really wanted to uh, put myself out there was like, I need to hold the leadership experience to give me like that experience when I go into the real world. And so that's how I ended up, um, moving up the ranks in my social fraternity, um, my semester after pledging, I was elected instantly onto EC executive committee and there's only five members on that. And so that was really cool. And I've been on that for two years now. It's gonna be a last semester. Thank goodness. So stressful. But, um, I also just like, um, I love speaking. Um, I love like putting stuff together. I put our fraternities formal to Vegas together with a budget of about $50,000 just solo. So I like doing those projects and stuff. And so, uh, that's kind of why I just wanted to like, you know, get as many leadership positions as possible, not only to boost the resume, but have stuff to talk about in interviews, just like this one. So, so you kind of just threw yourself into it trial by fire in a sense. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What are some of the qualities that you've seen yourself develop through this trial by fire, if you may say, for leadership? Oh, hundred percent. And you, you'll, you'll hear a lot of people talk about this, but, um, just making yourself comfortable being uncomfortable that's the best way to do it. You're going to find success in every thing you do when you're comfortable doing the uncomfortable. So, I mean, going into college, I mean, I, I seem like a social guy, but public speaking was not my thing. Um, but now I work a job. I forgot to talk about that, but I have a job and I give presentations for the business school for um, students. I'll be talking to like 80 to 300 people at once sometimes and just giving a presentation about what I want to talk about. And I was not good at that. And so I guess putting yourself out there, um, I talk a lot about in my presentations I give about advice I'd give to freshmen. And it's like, put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to like get embarrassed and um, always just in, live, live in the moment, like enjoy the moment because college goes so fast and such it's a fun fun four years and sometimes it's the best four years of people's life which is sad don't do that uh but uh it's it goes fast so i mean i always talk about just like putting yourself out there meeting new people smile have a good time and that's that's kind of like the advice i would kind of give the best as people so. what strategies do you use for public speaking specifically yeah, of course. Um, so my dad actually gives a lot of big public speaking um, at conferences and everything. And so he gave me a lot of advice. But basically, his biggest one is um, you could die tomorrow. And it's it's kind of dark like that. But it's true. It's like, um, why not put your best foot out there? Because literally, life is like so uncertain that you should just put your best self out there all the time. Don't be nervous because you don't know how short your or long your life is going to be. So it's like, don't be nervous. Nervous means you're excited and that means you're going to do great because you care. So if you're nervous, you just got to take a deep breath. There's actually a really cool breathing exercise I saw on a TED talk where it's like, if you're nervous about something, you basically do one big inhale, like to your max, um, whatever, and then breathe a little bit more in and then just release it through your nose. And it just soothes you out. It's like, it's like, It's like a weird breathing exercise, but it really calms you down. Yeah, just stuff like that. Just like you're gonna be nervous uh, when you give presentations. I if, if if there's a presentation I'm not nervous, I'm gonna stop presenting because that means you really are passionate about it. I always rehearse it. I always put jokes in there that I know are gonna hit because 
I mean, I, that's more you'll meet me, the more you'll know I like to joke around and stuff. So uh, just making the presentation fun where I enjoy giving it, presenting and making my own, that's how I uh, find success in my presentations. That's fun. The breathing thing that you mentioned, like the soothing yeah. type of breathing, I actually learned about that and I've looked into this as well. So mm -hmm. I find it hilarious that you bring it up or brought it up. It's it's actually the same type of thing that children do whenever they're crying. Mm -hmm. So they'll be crying the entire time in order to calm themselves down. You'll hear them go like, and then like <laughs> <laughs> something like that, where they'll end up doing the like inhale so much and then inhale more and then come down and it's like a soothing thing. I've never thought to use that for presentations beforehand at all. I've always thought of just the something that I do is I try to remind myself to stay open with people mm -hmm. because I have a tendency whenever I'm presenting or speaking with people to like close myself off kind of like this, like people can see on, on the video what I'm doing right now where I like cross my arms and I'm like closed and I kind of like hunch over like this, which is more of a, it's a shows off that you're kind of like scared in a sense. And anytime I find myself, whether I'm presenting or speaking to people kind of closed off like this, sometimes you, you probably won't hear this like today cause I'm, I'm open, but if I'm speaking with someone, or I'm in a group of people like talking and my, I happen to be closed off like this. I'll just repeat the word either in my head and sometimes aloud that just says open to remind myself to just open myself up like this with my arms, <laughs> with my arms wide open to really project out my, like my chest and show a sense of confidence. I'll do that whenever I'm presenting as well as I remind myself to breathe deeply. If I can breathe in through my nose and breathe like a whole bunch more deeply then I'll, I notice that that will, make me more present and then I'll be able to present better. Yeah. I actually, uh, completely, you reminded me of something. So also one of the biggest keys when I present is, I mean, I talk about, you always want to be there. You want to be excited. Smile. That is the number one best thing you can do when you present. Not only is there like a chemical reaction where it makes you feel like you're actually like, it's like fake it till you make it. Basically, if you actually fake a smile, you actually, there's chemicals in your brain. I don't know the exact science, but I know, um, your mood will lighten. And so if you see, if you, I'm watching a speaker and he's frowning up there and not having a time, I'm not going to enjoy it. If he's smiling, cracking jokes, stuff like that, it's just so much better. Smiling makes you less nervous as well. So, um, always go up there with a big smile and just be happy about what you're presenting. That's my biggest advice. I love that. I started smiling more at people cause I always, I found myself in my own head sometimes that I would sort of just have a look of like, you know, like a still face, I guess you can say. I don't exactly know how to say that, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't really smile. And I started, I made it a point whenever I went back to school this semester, the fall of my junior year, to start smiling more because I read a, it's in the book, How to Win Friends and Influence. I'm people. reading that right now, dude. <laughs> it's, it's a, that's a fantastic book. Keep reading it. But I read that book at the start of the semester and I wanted to implement more things. And the quote that it says in there that I highlighted, I don't have the physical book, but I read a lot on my iPad. It's your smile is the first messenger of your goodwill. It's something along those lines. And I read that quote and really realized, oh, I'm not smiling enough. And this is probably why I, sometimes I feel a little bit down. And sometimes whenever I look back and, and I see people, they're never really smiling at me. So I know I, what I decided to do was implement, I'm going to start smiling at everybody. Whenever I see them, I'm going to make eye contact with them and I'm going to just smile. I don't have to say anything to them, even though I'm 
I'm still working on becoming like a lot more social and friendly. I'm forcing myself and really trying to get myself in that uncomfortable situation of talking to people. It's like the first thing that you can do is just look at people, look at the eyes and then just smile at them whenever you see them. You don't have to say anything, just smile. And what I've noticed from that is number one, I've became so much happier of a person just by smiling all the time. Like you said, I'm pretty sure I've looked into it a little bit, but I can't tell you, I'll give you like the bro science version. Like you said, (laughs) definitely releases like chemicals, like dopamine or something into your brain that makes you happier. The fake it till you make it type thing. But I also noticed how much of an impact smiling makes on other people because I will smile at people, especially women. If I smile at them usually, and I make eye contact with them and I smile then they'll smile back and you can tell that they're like, like happy or whatever, like immediately. Cause they start smiling. And I feel like that I can't prove it, I guess. Cause like they're random people who I don't know. And I, mm-hmm. I do it to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you dirty dog. <laughs> <laughs> but if I smile, I smile at anyone. And a lot of times, most people will smile back, especially if you make eye contact with them. And I can't prove it, but I feel like I'm making their day better. And at least it makes my day better because I'm smiling all the time. So I think your point on the presentation of actually being there and being present in the sense of I'm smiling, I'm having a good time and genuinely taking an interest in whatever you're doing. I think that is huge for not only yourself, but also for other people and making their experience better. Yeah, exactly. And you talked about the book, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, It also talks about, like, it's in that same chapter, it talks about, like, obviously smiling really helps, but humming, too. If, if, like, when I I changed my music taste kind of um, from, like, I don't know, like, like hard rap to, like, you know, like some, like, light pop and rock, because not only do do I feel more, like, happy and more energized when I'm in public I can hum this song sometimes I uh, sometimes I'll be singing that song even like in an airport but I'll be like when I wake up or something like that like stuff like that just because it boosts my mood and I know whoever's listening is like he's got a great voice he just made my day so um no trust me I'm not that confident about my voice but uh (laughs) no humming also boosts your mood as well If, if you're too tired to smile hum something and it just improves your mood greatly too I'll Sometimes if I can't, like, I can't really get myself to smile or I'm in a particularly good mood, this goes both ways, I'll, like, chuckle or laugh randomly. Mm. And if I do that, like, it just, uh, <laughs> anytime I laugh, I always end up smiling. And it's like, I'll, I'll do this out the camera really fast for you guys, for anyone who's listen, looking online, because I just did a <laughs> Well, you see, you're doing it now. Well, yeah, now I am laughing. <laughs> no, I'm just laughing because you're laughing, bro. If you just, <laughs> if you laugh, oh then it's, <laughs> you laugh and then you start smiling. Yeah, I get it. So sometimes it, it's odd. It's it's odd sometimes, but I like it. And I think that's really all that matters because I'm with myself 100% of the time. Yeah. So sometimes I'll be in like a social setting or I'll be in like a class or something like that or just walking like random. And mm. I'll just like kind of chuckle to myself like, <laughs> like that, just one like this, just to get myself to smile. Or if I think about something like that particularly makes me happy and I just chuckle or something like that. It, it sounds like it's really odd, but like try, like if you try it, like you were just doing it right now where you just randomly laugh and then you sort of smile and you like feel like a little bit happier. I feel like that's a fantastic thing. Just smile. Like if you can get yourself to smile more, you'll be happier. And I think that'll make you become more successful. Yeah. No, I was laughing because you were laughing and I was laughing and then you were laughing and then it just, <laughs> it was just <laughs> <laughs> exactly. uh, I absolutely love that. Yeah. Smiling. Smiling is fantastic. I want to ask you another question here on yeah. leadership. Do you think that there's such a thing as a natural born leader? 
Hmm. I, I believe so. I mean, I feel like it's kind of how you're raised. Um, if your parents are more out there and give speeches, like I'm lucky I had great parents where they were constantly they're very social. And so that just bled onto me where now I can talk to, to the public. But yeah, so I believe there are some naturally born leaders, but anyone can be a leader if they just work on it. I mean, the camera, you can't see it, but there's a ton of books right here and half of them are about building habits and being a leader. So you can definitely study up on there to be a great leader. I mean, there's some great books. I know I'm, we're reading, I'm reading the book you've already read, but um, it talks about like great leadership practices and stuff like that. So, I mean, anyone can be a born leader, but if you put your mind to it, anyone can be a great leader. What do you think are the qualities that make the most effective leaders? Hmm. I believe it's um it's relating to the people you're leading. I mean, not isolating yourself above them, like putting yourself on a pedestal, basically. It's working with them and hearing their opinions. Um, I can give you an example of like my mom, for example, her boss is a CEO. He works with, he basically tells her, she was telling me today, she was like, he tells him like, you know, here's my opinions, but I know you're the master of this field. So I trust whatever you have to say. And so just working with like the people that you lead and finding like a common road is the best way to lead in my opinion and never um bring anyone down even if they did like a horrible job again in them referencing the book but it talked about like someone lost like 60 dollars in like a stock exchange for a company and then the boss instead of condemning him was like you just lost a six six hundred thousand dollars he was like you know you did a great job pulling our money out when you did because we could a lot lost a lot more and you know what that helps more than condemning does a hundred percent so um, always being positive, even if they do make it a mistake, um, how to fix that. And so, yeah, just basically just being buddies with the people you're leading. I feel like that really helps you lead the best. That's an interesting take, that last part, being buddies with the people that you lead. I really like that because I haven't thought about it like that. I've always thought about it as, you know, like helping each other as a leader. You're not someone who's above them. You're one of them. and where You guys are all working towards the same goal. I haven't heard of, I guess, I guess that's just a different way of wording it, but being buddies with the people you're leading, I, I like that. I think that's a cool type thing. Yeah, no, I mean, like in my fraternity as vice president, I oversee like a bunch of chair positions where it's like risk management, brotherhood, like all this stuff. And I mean, if I'm not friends with these guys, they're not going to do it. They're just going to be like, yeah, screw you. You can't tell them what to do. You actually have to build a relationship with the people that you're going to be leading so you can relate to them. It's like, hey, I need this for this certain event. Can you please get this done? He's like, of course, yeah, I got you. So it's like you have to have good relationships in order to lead, I feel like, or else you're just um, leading on fear, basically. It's like obviously it's different in fraternity than a real world, but like in a real world if your boss is like do this or you're fired, like kind of like SpongeBob, Mr. Krabs or something like that. I guess that's a really like interesting example, but – yeah, he's like, he's like, go take out the trash or you're fired. That's like the worst way to lead possible. So, because managing on fear does not give you good results. It just doesn't. So, that's why you have to always have to lead with sympathy instead. How important do you think trust is in terms of leadership, being a leader, and to the people who you're leading as well? I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty obvious. Like, trust is super important. You can't be going behind people's backs. And, if you made a mistake, you have to own, own up to it, you know, because people are going to find it eventually. So, yeah, just trusting the people that you work under and work for. It's just it's 
basically what makes business run is trust. Because if I can't trust you to do this project, then why would I give you any like a raise or anything like that? You have to have like there has to be common trust in a company. How do you build trust in relationships? Not maybe maybe not just in business, but just in people in, in general. Gosh, you know, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I guess in like uh, relationships, like boyfriend girlfriend that's <laughs> the best way i can describe it um obviously i feel i feel like I, everyone i've ever like dated I've, I've trusted them you trust them until you can you can't basically i've never been in one of those toxic relationships thank goodness but uh it's like i always have like a level of trust with everyone and until like someone like impedes upon that where i see them like doing going against what i said or that's when I just like, you know, once, once you lose like that trust, you're not going to get it back. You can't world it. It's just, it's, that's like, that's actually really cool because my management professor was talking about in one of the classes, he said they were interviewing like couples married for 30 years or longer. And what do you think the number one thing, I mean, I already gave it away. It's trust and uh, it's trust. It's the number one quality uh, they uh, possess. And he was telling us that it was pretty crazy, but it's trust is number one for them. So it was pretty cool to see. Yeah. I mean, trust has definitely got to be up there for sure. Mm -hmm. Something that I've learned over the past two years is trusting yourself, being able to trust yourself and keep your own word. I think that is discipline in an essence, is being able to trust yourself to do the things that you say that you do. Can you tell me a little bit about how you've built discipline in your life, especially in the context of college? Yeah, 100%. So, I mean, discipline is probably the most important thing in college because your schedules can change like that. And if you always have like some free flowing thing that you know you're going to set your mind to, it it will help you succeed, whatever. So something I can give you an example. So what I was talking about earlier in the podcast where I said I was the first one in my chapter to memorize 37 pages of ritual word for word, that took a year and a half to do. And I don't have my, actually I do have my phone on me, but um, basically I sent my alumni advisor for my chapter about a year and a half ago, I sent him a text message. I said, Charlie, I am going to be the first person in this fraternity to memorize this. Um, and that was before I memorized anything, uh, just because I trusted myself to put my mind to it. And so over every single day for like a year and a half, almost every single day, I would get a piece of paper out and then I would do paragraph by paragraph. So I'd write out a paragraph of like words, memorize that, walk around my neighborhood at night. I'd make it a habit where at night, I would schedule like 20, 30 minutes just to walk every single day, going over my head, speaking it out loud. Um, and then that just builds on to each other. And so my last, the day before I tested for it, I was, I walked around my neighborhood for an hour and a half reciting it because it took me 45 minutes straight to say the whole thing. And so I did that twice and that thing is glued in my brain. I mean, I haven't done it in like months now, thank goodness, but, um, discipline is just like, doing a little bit every day. And it talks about in Atomic Habits, which I know you're about to, you're kind of starting to read. Um, It's called the two minute rule. And basically it's like, start doing something that even if you don't want to do it, just do it for two minutes. And then you can like put it down, whatever. Like it was talking about an example where it's like, someone wanted to build a habit of going to the gym and they would go to the gym every single day, work out for two minutes and then go home. And then after a week of doing that, they would bump it up to like maybe 10 minutes and then go home. It's just, it's just doing the bare minimum where it's feel like, oh, well, I can do two minutes. 
doing that over and over and then working up to like an hour workout. And so like, again, an example, my professor was talking about his kid was getting out of shape and he was, he literally just said his, his kid was fat and in college. And so he's like, oh, let's put you on a program. So go outside every day and run a half a mile or not half mile, like, like maybe a hundred meters every single day for like a week. And then he would bump it up to 200 because, like, anyone can run 100 meters. Even if it's walking, anyone can do that. That's easy. And so he would start doing that, and then eventually he'd work up to, like, mile, two mile. It's just those small starting points can build bigger habits is kind of, like, the best way to describe discipline. It's the concept of just start. Starting is the hardest part of forming any sort of habit. So I haven't read i'm just starting to read atomic habits now that keeps atomic habits just keep coming up for me it's a book by james clear i just subscribed to his newsletter as well his like i think it's three two one or whatever email or something Mm -hmm. like that my uncle sent me that then i've been recommended to read this book by numerous amounts of people and i've heard of it had it in my library for a while so i'm about to start it but starting habits is the hardest thing that you can do so just to start and show up I think is absolutely massive. That's something that I've used for my work specifically, whether it's working on things for this podcast or for school or for any sort of thing, being getting yourself to just start the task. Since starting is the hardest part, if you can get yourself to sit down for like 10 or 15 minutes with your full focus on whatever the task is at hand, if you can make it to that part, like 15, 20 minutes or so, then you should assume that you're starting to understand it and whatnot it's easier for you then to get into a flow state, which is basically the way that I'd feel like the way that I can describe that would be if you're playing baseball, it's like you're completely dialed in and like, you're just totally not thinking of anything else. Like you're basically one with like the game of like baseball or whatever, or football or whatever it is or work to where if you're writing a paper, you just start, you, you get yourself to start and whether that's on like a daily basis if it's a habit like you're building to go to the gym or to start meditating i have a good example of that one as well but for writing an essay it's just pushing yourself to start with the 10 minutes or so once you get like 10 or so minutes in and you're not checking your phone you're not on instagram or just talking to people or whatnot you're just earbuds in or whatnot solely focus for 10 minutes 10 15 minutes then you're able to really like get focused and get like dialed in in the sense like super hyper focused into that one task so then you could get it and run with it and start writing that's what i would do too i currently i use that all the time i try to get into a flow state for whatever the thing is which is just minimizing distractions and just being ultra focused on one thing that's what i would do that's why i became such a great writer of papers throughout high school and into college because i would just get myself to start the paper And I'd have, I wouldn't need to have like a full plan or anything like that. It'd be like a few things, like maybe a a couple things I want to touch on and then tell myself, like, just write the introduction. If you can just write the introduction and you have at the end, your thesis of like a few points that you're about to start talking, talking about, if you've already done that for like 15 or so minutes and you're completely focused on writing this, I mean, you could probably write the first body paragraph. Why don't I keep writing? Oh, and then next thing you know, you have an entire essay done and you're good. That's why I would I would always procrastinate for a while because I knew I could get to that end point like the day before or whatever and just do that and be like, oh, well, I can just I can just keep going and whatnot. And I realized that in college, my sophomore year, my first semester, sophomore year, whenever I had to write a few papers, I was like, wait, 
I don't need to be procrastinating this all the way through there. If I just move this up and do the exact same strategy and just start this task, then I will finish it so much faster and then I have all the time in the world to do whatever I want to because my papers are written. Perfect. Yeah, no, uh, I was hearing you say that and I thought of something else. Um, my professor was talking about how habit like building is kind of like the launch of a rocket ship in the way where in the first few seconds, the rocket's not moving, even though like the engines are pushing. That's basically the start, first week of a habit or something like you're let's say I'm, I'm going I just started a new habit where I wake up at 530 a.m. and go swimming and for the first like weeks or so like I'm not seeing any changes in my body um even though I'm doing this and that's exactly when people stop doing their habits because they're like well I'm not seeing anything the thing is when a rocket first takes off it's obviously you can see the engines pushing and everything but it's not going anywhere it's until like maybe week two week three week four where it starts to take off a little bit and it goes faster and faster and faster it's the same thing with habits like the first few weeks like week one week two you're not going to see anything but if you keep at it and keep doing this habit, you're obviously going to see changes, just like working out. I know you started like last year or a year before, and now, now you're like the biggest kid in the block. So it's like you can just see building habits like that in the long run, it helps you so much. It just might not show at the first few weeks. I've seen even through myself and working on stuff like this podcast and everything beforehand and specifically lifting. Lifting is a fantastic example of this and working out. But success tends to be like exponential. So the graph is I'm in the video, I'm showing it, but it's whenever you essentially are straight with like minimal change for like a very long time. And like you said, like the rocket ship, it just sort of shoots up really far. And it's because you get to the point all the way here right before it shoots up and everyone is unable to see is unable it's really tough i guess you could say it's really tough to be super patient whenever you don't see a lot of results but if you commit yourself to a habit i'm going to keep doing this for a long time and i'm just going to see what happens over time eventually that's whenever whenever you put in enough time and enough effort into something eventually that's whenever it spikes and pops off but the biggest thing that i've learned from that is just keep going continue if you can continue even whenever the jump is this is really hard i can only do one more minute or it's really hard for me to get to that next level eventually whenever you've practiced the stuff long enough you get to a point where it's exponentially increases and like your example beforehand the rocket ship that's barely off the ground to start and then boom it's all the way up in outer space yeah, no, I really, I really, I vibe with the the early morning rise and then journaling as well. I journal. Um, at the end of my day, though, I kind of I don't have it with me, but it's not exactly thankful for. Which even though I I do I do reflection when I take a shower. I do some weird stuff. I put some candles on, like put a candle on, shut off the lights, and kind of just like think. That's kind of like my chill area. But I also do a journal uh, at the end of the day. I kind of like write down everything I did that day. So I can always look back and see and then I kind of like rate the day, see like see what I accomplished and stuff like that. And I feel like that's a really cool way because when with it because in college time goes by so fast, you can like look back at days and you're like, Oh, I did all this. This was so much fun. I remember this. And so that's something I really wanted to take apart at the uh, start of the semester. I started wanting to do that. So yeah, no, I really I really like the journaling part of what you're talking about. Journaling is massive in my journal I have. 
a, like a date a.m section p.m section it's not like actually written out or anything it's just like a journal that i got from walmart honestly not sponsored by walmart <laughs> soon soon yeah <laughs> so i journal at night as well i write down something that i'm thankful for. i write down three things that i'm thankful for and then i write down the big goal whatever it is that i'm, I'm working on at the time not gonna say the exact goal that i have now but I, I always write down my goal to make sure that it's at the front of my mind a huge thing i'm so happy that i started journaling because i'm able to look back on stuff and i handwritten i handwrite the journal as well so i'm able to have like an actual tangible copy which is fantastic i realized through journaling that there are a lot of times where I wish that I'd written down more stuff in my life so I could look back because I'm not a huge picture guy. I don't really use social media. I actually, on previous podcasts, I'd talk about how I hadn't had it in forever, but I just got it back today. I don't know when this is going to be released, but I, I, have, I, ha I have social media back sparingly as of now. But I'm not a huge picture guy, so I like writing things down. So I started in September writing pretty much every thought that I have, not exactly every thought, but everything that I thought could be useful for myself in the future, I started writing it down or typing it up in my notes app on my phone. So whatever it is that I have just in my mind, whether it's about something that happened today or a future business idea or something that I can talk about on the podcast or just any sort of notes that come into my mind, whether that's I'm working in the gym, doesn't matter. I write it down so that I have that note that I can look back on. And now I have over 200 notes or so that I can look back on all the time and just find motivation in. I like pinning the notes and switching the way that they're, they're pinned up right now. And I have tons of different notes and pretty much anything applicable, pretty much things that are applicable to anything. And a lot of the advice that I give myself, I, I kind of call the notes advice in a sense because I can look back on it. And if it's useful, I think of that more as advice for myself. I give myself more advice on things that are applicable to across my entire life. I might have journaled that day about something specifically, but most of the time it's something that is rounded out throughout my entire life, which is fantastic. And I love looking back on stuff and using those as potential quotes to use in the podcast as well. The quote that I let off this with was something that I have in my notes and I've done in the past for other podcasts ones as well yeah wow, that's really cool yeah I, I mean driving from motivation like journaling like that it's probably one of the most successful things you can do so you at home start journaling and start meditating clears your mind a lot sees what makes you feel like you're actually doing something in the grand scheme of things so yeah it shows you how much you've progressed as well yeah because i've already gone through multiple journals at this point from starting journaling and my freshman year of college, whenever I really started to get into it, I can look back, like you said earlier, at whatever day, 2022, this is the day that I had, this is what I said that I was thankful for that day, this is the goal that I had at the time, this is what I was doing, oh, I remember that day, this is whenever this happened, and then you can look back and you're like, wow, I have all of my life written down, at least parts of it. And I might not have the pictures of the stuff, but I have the experiences that I remember. And then if you, like I bow back on social media a bit and I'll still take pictures of stuff, taking more pictures and 
being able to record conversations with people, that's going to tell me so much more. And I get to learn from that all the time, especially when I'm editing and posting it online. But it's something that capturing pieces of your life and thankfully nowadays, which is a really good thing about technology, is being able to capture what's going on in your life right now so that you can look back on it later on, have the same memories and also learn from the experiences that you've had. Yeah, no, I actually like how you started uh, to segue into a little bit of technology. And I mean, we talked about social media and I remember like freshman year, it was either like senior year, freshman year, um, high school going into college. I know you deleted a lot of your social media is kind of like focus on yourself. And like earlier, I was like, I was like, I was very questioning about like, why, why would you do that? Stuff like that. No, I get it. I get it 100%. I've, um, there's a Netflix series, The Social Dilemma. Uh, have you seen it? I've not seen it. I'll watch that with you sometime. But super interesting. It talks about like a lot about social media. It made me delete all my social medias too, except like um, Snap and Instagram. Snap I just use for communication. Um, Instagram I use probably less than five minutes a week. And so it, it helps me because – talks about all these um, ways that people are just glued to their phones now and all the algorithms they do just keep you scrolling. They, they don't look at you like people, they, your user. And there's a really cool quote in the thing it talks about. There's only two um, areas that call their, um, their customers users. It's social media and drug addicts, which is really interesting. So it was just really cool to see all that. Um, but that drew me away from that deleted TikTok, deleted Facebook, deleted Twitter, which is now X, um, it just really clears my mind. And so now I, I, I always monitor my screen time to make sure I'm like focused. I, I, I started at like three hours, which is, is all right. Um, I know a lot of people, my friends are like 10 to seven hours a day on your phone. That's like what I'm quick math, five eighths out, out of your day. I can't, that's not right. Ten to five, five twelves, five twelves. Yeah. Five twelfths of your day on your phone, and you're already sleeping eight hours. That's like you have six hours not on your phone a day is crazy. And so I, I started at three hours, and I've gotten down to about an hour and a half now. Um, and that's usually just for maps or Spotify or something like that. Snap I use a lot, unfortunately. But um, I feel like that's like a big thing. So could you like tell me like like what drove you to delete social media kind of and like how has that helped you in your life? Of course. I deleted social media on Halloween night of 2022. Okay. So it was my sophomore, sophomore, my fall of sophomore year. All right. I'd always wanted to kind of delete social media because I always had a, I recognized for myself that it was not super productive thing for me to have on my phone because I'd find myself screen time super high scrolling through Instagram or playing like video games like Clash Royale or whatever the heck yeah. <laughs> where I'd be sitting on games for hours and getting nothing done. And I, that night I had enough. I was like, you need to figure it out. That's something that our baseball coach, my, our, our, our old baseball, high school baseball coach, Larry Buchan, shout out Larry Buchan. <laughs> He would say, he'd always scream at us, like, figure it out. Like, come on, like, figure it out. And I remember going through my head. I was like, man, like, you got to figure it out. Like, what are you, what are you doing? I'm always on my phone. I'm not getting a lot of stuff done. 
I'm not in the best position of my life right now. I want to get more done. And I'd already started my journey like I was meditating and becoming more productive, but I was holding myself back. There were certain things like social media that was holding me back. And I decided, you know what? We're just going to delete it. We'll try it. And it wasn't, it wasn't a, I'm going to delete this for an entire year or I'm going to delete it for a set period of time. It was, it's off my phone. Like I just don't have social media anymore. So I deleted it a while. Like I deleted it a year ago, over a year ago at this point. And I upped my meditation time as well during that time to fill some of the time that I had because I was so used to being on my phone all the time. And I also added in reading a ton. That's whenever I got really into reading. I read like six or something books within like a couple weeks, like super fast because I didn't have, I didn't know what to do. I'd been so used to being on social media all the time. I had no idea what was going on. So I just meditated more and I read more and I learned so much super fast. And it was a huge thing in my life. It really opened my eyes to, wow, I can be so much more productive whenever I don't have all of these crazy distractions going on. And once I realized that, it was around a couple, probably like a few months later where I had the initial idea for all of this, which since I was meditating a lot at the time, it was, I mean, I love meditating. It's helped me out so much now and I don't have any social media and this is what I'm like. I'm meditating all the time and I'm so much more present. I'm, I'm super happy now which I, my mental health improved immediately as soon as I <laughs> deleted social media as well. Yeah, 100%. And not as many crazy comparisons and whatnot. And you actually, this is a side tangent really fast, but you realize when you delete social media, you realize who your actual friends are. 100%. Because you have numbers, you have phone numbers, and the people who you really know, you have their phone number. And even those people who you think that you really know and you're super close with, they might be Snapchatting you, they might be sending you DMs of memes on Instagram or whatever or whatnot, but they might not really be your friends. Are they hitting up your phone? Are they texting you and calling you whenever you don't have any other apps on your phone? You don't have any social media? You only have regular messages? Most people I noticed don't. I know a lot of people, but I'm only friends with a small amount of people. I'm only reaching out to certain people who I know, like on the daily, who are in my phone, like texting them. I What I realized, especially through having Snapchat for a while and then deleting it, there's a lot of people who kind of just are the Snapchat streaks of your life. Damn, that's a good way to put it. You kind of snap them just to like sort of be there. Like they kind of are in your life, but like you wouldn't sit down and talk to them about anything sort of deep at all. they're not really your friends too much. They're just another person that makes it seem like you're more popular. It's like a, I feel better about myself because I think I have another friend, but they aren't really your friend. I'd rather have the people who are super close friends and only have a few of them than have an amazing amount of people who don't know me and I wouldn't really sit down and talk to. I think those, that's a, that's the way that social media has helped me out because it narrowed down my focus. And like I was saying around that time, whenever I up my meditation and was reading more, I got the idea of this, which was starting to teach meditation classes. Then I realized I have so much more information than teaching meditation classes. I've been reading all the time. I've been learning. I can give people a book. I can give people all this stuff and it's transformed into this podcast. And I absolutely love it because I'm able to speak with like-minded individuals, learn from them and give 
you guys, the audience, advice as well. Yeah, no, I also want to talk about more of the social media aspect because when I <laughs> down my time on Instagram to like five minutes a week, I really it really helped my like mental health as well because in high school, definitely, I was always like, I had extreme FOMO, like fear of missing out, where I'd see like people together. I'm like, oh, why wasn't I invited? Or like stuff like that. I'd see that on Instagram, see it on like people's stories. I was like, wow, that I can't believe like I'm not there. Um, but now it's like, now I don't see that on Instagram. I'd have no like comparisons, like you said, comparisons um, on Snap. I, I really don't like, I feel like I, I enjoy like hanging out with people, but I also like found like kind of like this sanity of just like, being with yourself, like you said, for meditation and stuff like that. And I always talk about this in my presentations when I give for the business school because I talk about actually phone usage and um, planning your day. And uh, I have my phone right here. So first thing you'll notice, it is in, for the users, for Jack, it's in black and white. Um, there's no color on my, oh, Jack, you have it too, great. And yeah, so what helped me on mine, I still have Instagram on my phone, but you'll see here, this is like the first screen or whatever. And then I have like another screen, just two apps. And then I have Instagram all the way on the third screen. And so it's really plays the concept out of sight, out of mind. Like you said, deleting it, it feels like the exact same way where I don't ever see it because I used to have it just like right here. I would just click here it have where I have Snap and it would be right where GroupMe is. And I would just be like, after I go on Snap, I'm like, oh, Instagram now. So now that it's like not on my page, I don't focus on it as much. So for you at home, I, for like a, you don't have to do black and white extreme like me and Jack, but um, just having it on a separate page and everything else, like an app, either TikTok. I know TikTok is huge. Um, I just deleted that, but um, having it on another page, it really helps with your screen time. And I know people do search it, like where they swipe down and search on the phone. If you do that, I'm sorry, I can't help you there, but you might just have to delete it. <laughs> but out of sight, out of mind helps me so much. So do you have any advice for like people that use that as well? I have, I've got a ton of advice. I'll share something off the top of my head. I have my phone with me close by as well. I'll open it up really fast. My home screen, which I switched from a couple other episodes ago, I tried an experiment, which I love experimenting stuff. This is part of what I do and I've done for like two over two years now, which is just experimenting with a whole bunch of different things that to see how I'm more productive and how I can focus more. I used to have no apps on my home screen. I just deleted everything, like nothing from the dock, nothing at all, which is crazy. That was a very interesting experiment. I'm so far now back to where I have apps on my home screen, but I only have a few apps. You can look at that. I don't, I only have one home screen. Everything's in black and white. And it's just a few different apps on here. I have my meditation app. I have my books, play books app, which is just reading. I've got a few other things that I add every now and then. It's like my calendar. So I try not to use my phone as much as possible. And I try and limit the distractions, especially now that I have social media as well. That plays into obviously promoting this podcast and whatnot, which is something that I didn't really want to do. I, lo I obviously want to promote the podcast. I want to do all the stuff, mm -hmm. but I've noticed through over a year and a half or a year and a little bit of not having social media, how much more of a happier person I am, how much better my quality of life has been that I did not want to go back. Like I didn't want to get it again. Mm -hmm. I genuinely was like, yeah, this isn't super fun for me. I really wouldn't, I'd rather not have social media, but I did exactly what you said, out of sight, out of mind, trying to get it off of my home screen, not there, minimize all the distractions that I have. We've talked a bunch about 
social media, about productivity and whatnot, especially more of the professional aspect of school. What do you think are some keys to a successful college experience, whether that be professional or social or however you want to interpret the question? Well, you just played in right in my hand. This is like the number one thing I give presentations about. Talk about it in my class. Get involved. All right. That's the number one thing. I've seen so many kids. I know so many kids who've like literally dropped out of their college because they're not having a good time. Literally, there's one kid, but he, he, he uh, dropped out of ASU because he lived off campus his first semester. That's the worst way you can do. You have to engage yourself, put yourself into campus, immerse yourself with the experience because that's how you get to meet new people, see new experiences, all that stuff. So like what I did my freshman year, I was in six different clubs. I was on the club baseball team. I was pledging a fraternity. I was doing all this. And again, like time management is huge for that. But it's you got to find out what you like and don't like. And you got to meet so many cool people. Like when I ran for business school senator, I was running against five different people running as one. I was running alone. I lost, unfortunately, but I lost by five votes. It's because um, how immersed I was because I had my connections. And that's that's what college is all about is connections because in the real world, you're going to need someone. I I have my one of my best friends in at ASU. He designs logos. And for my job, I literally need logo design. So I just reach out to him. See, the connections are very big. And that's all about getting involved. So like, I was in country line dancing, which I didn't even know about. But that, that was such a fun experience. And then club baseball. I've, I've played baseball throughout my life. I love that. And that's how I met my logo design friend. But Again, it's just all these weird things where you get to meet new people and they'll help you outside of college 100%. So that is the number one way you can elevate your college experience is to get involved because that's how you meet new people. And it's a lot of fun. So, Is meeting new people and becoming super social something that you've really had to work on while you were at college? Were you more of a social person throughout high school as well? Would you call yourself a a social chameleon to where you can switch to different groups and whatnot. You said that you were in a whole bunch of different clubs as well. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I feel like the chameleon thing is actually really important because I am in like a bunch of different clubs. Like for instance, I'm in a fraternity, but I'm also in the LGBTQ plus, um, club. It's kind of just like, so I really want to learn about like the community since it's like kind of like blowing up now. And yeah, you're going to have to put on two different faces for those two clubs. And it's, it, it's sad because you have to do that. But like at the end of the day, it's, it's something you can't act the same around each club. Um, not saying like I've changed my personality uh, completely, uh, not at all, but um, there's definitely different mannerisms where you're going to have to do in each thing. So I would say that, but like answering your question, I think I've always been a very sociable person. I always put myself out there. Um, I love meeting new people. Um, so I think, I think like joining all these clubs and stuff, it was kind of like my mom always preached about that. And so um, just because my parents are always like, into being like super sociable putting yourself out there and so that's kind of always i've always been in my life and so it was, it was a big uh transition into college really because i kind of knew what i wanted to do how do you maintain your authenticity whenever you move throughout the different clubs and fraternities and social groups that you're in let's say we'll say my personality is a like a chart really um, and some people can like switch their personality way to one side and then way to the other. I think it's very important that you keep your personality centered. Like, so if, if let's say the two groups collided for some reason, you would, you would not be acting completely different on how you would usually. 
um, because I think that can come off weird and you would come back as like a fake person almost. So obviously playing, playing true to yourself. And that kind of goes into like one of my big mindsets is not caring what other people think. And so it's like, I'm going to be myself. And if you don't like that, that's all right. Uh, but as long as I'm authentic to myself, I believe that's how I want to be portrayed to everyone else. And so like what I feel like I'm doing is how I'm going to be doing it. It's just how it is. So what I mentioned a little while ago, you're with yourself 100% of the time. I think staying true to you, no matter what other people are thinking of you, that's massive. That's something that I learned through deleting social media. That's something I've learned through doing this podcast. That's something that I've learned just in general, honestly. And it's something that I struggled with for a while because whenever you're growing up, you want to fit in with a whole bunch of people. Mm -hmm. You're trying to be more social and you kind of aren't really a chameleon. You're just trying to change yourself to be who other people are. I remember I wore, this is actually really funny. I don't know why this randomly popped in my mind, (laughs) but seventh grade, I switched to from my private school that I was going to for a while into my, like a public school that I rolled from seventh grade all the way through high school. And then after that, obviously on to college. I remember that this story specifically because it was the first time that I didn't have to wear a uniform in school, so I didn't know what to wear. I was like, man, what am I supposed to wear to school every single day? I'm in seventh grade, and you have me picking out all of my clothes, so I dressed like a highlighter because at the time, everyone was wearing highlighter clothes essentially like just like neon stuff if you <laughs> happened to be in school at that time i, I was also a highlighter you probably remember that see exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah but i remember specifically i had an, a bright orange pair of shoes that i wore and i loved those shoes they're fantastic shoes they're a bright orange pair of nike shoes they're great shoes they're, they're neon exactly they're neon they're neon orange they're fantastic but i remember trying to fit in with all these other people and being the highlighter that I was there, mm-hmm. which is hilarious because highlighters are meant to make things stand out, and yet everybody was a highlighter, so that means that nothing was standing out in the slightest bit at all. Mm-hmm. Just put that one together as well. I learned authenticity is the greatest gift that I can give myself and give other people because if I'm trying to change into someone who I'm not, all the relationships then are not built on trust. And if trust is a super important thing in the relationship, you don't trust yourself enough to just be yourself around other people. Relationships are not going to be the most amazing thing for you. And a lot of your life is going to crumble. That's why I really think staying true to yourself is so unbelievably important. And it's taken me a long time to realize that, but I've noticed a lot of people on this podcast say the same thing. So definitely work on that guys. (laughs) Now, um, because at the end of the day, you're going to be going home alone with yourself and you're going to be alone with your thoughts. And if you're constantly changing personalities and we're lucky enough, still obviously you still have to figure out things. But like to have know this like big portion of information this early on, some people will go their whole lives without knowing this and be fake to like have different personalities for everything. It's very important to to understand both professional and in a social world. So that's really cool that we figured that out as well course all right this is my last question here for you cole you kind of touched on it at least a little bit already but for my younger audience as well maybe the people who haven't made it into college yet or just starting out in college i want to hear if you could go back to day one of college 
knowing everything that you know now and speak to freshman year, first day of class, Cole, what piece of advice would you give him specifically? That's tough. Um, I mean, first of all, like I said, and I think I did a really good job freshman year of it, is putting yourself out there and getting involved. That's number one, always. And then I'd say like number two is, I, I me and my sister always use this phrase, I made it up, so. Um, but it, we call we say kiddie pool. And it really, uh, service level doesn't mean a lot, but basically what that means is it's not that deep. Um, you gotta think about everything that's going on right now, whether it's like drama, relationships or anything. I always think about it a year from now. Will this specific thing matter a year from now? And if it doesn't, I don't stress about it. If it might affect my future like well-being and stuff, yeah, I will put more effort into that. But there's so much going on in college where it's like, oh, he said this, she said whatever. A lot of drama. That can stress so many people out. If it's not that big of a deal, then don't worry about it. Like I say, when I graduate college, will all this, why even care about this? No. So why, why waste my brain space stressing about it? Also, no one's important enough to make you stress or change your mood. So if anyone's trying to like mess with you or they're making you mad or whatever, you, you're giving them power by reacting to that. Just calm, cool, collected all the time. That's my three pieces of advice, I guess, that I'd give my freshman self. I love that. I want to finish off with a few things first. The first one right off of what you just said. Giving people power over you by getting mad and whatnot. I like to think of the, it's one quote, from this artist, my favorite artist, Mike, who I've been listening to for like forever. The quote that I have in my notes page from that is, holding grudges are like taking poison and expecting it to hurt the other person. It's only hurting you and your vibe. So just let it go. That hit really hard. I I think about that sometimes. I'm like, oh, let go. It's not, it's not that deep. Kitty pool. Yeah, exactly. But hold grudges if it's going to motivate you to be better. That's my, that's my thing. <laughs> I'm not going to be like mad at the person, but if it's like, like what I said about the community service club, that motivated me to reach for whatever I want to do. And so, um, we're not, not suggesting holding grudges, but if it's going to motivate you to do something that's going to help like your future, use it as motivation. Use what you have, use motivation, push yourself further, keep going. Exactly. We love to see it. Cole. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm glad I was able to connect with you here. <laughs> Definitely gave us some good nuggets today. Food for thought as well. Thank you for coming on. Do you have any other anything else you'd like to say before we sign off? Well, I just like first appreciate Jack coming on. I mean, um, actually, what I'm going to say is Jack puts a lot of work into this podcast. He sent me a whole doc of questions, and he really cares about this. So I hope I hope everyone can. Keep listening, keep paying attention because this thing's gonna skyrocket for sure. So, yeah, I just really appreciate you having me, Jack. Great setup you got, and obviously you seem like a very motivated man. So I can't wait to see what you got in store in the future, my friend. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate all that. Putting in a lot of work. Want to help a bunch of people. Just goes right back to what we started with this at the beginning, which is best way to become successful is to help other people become successful. I did not have this whenever I was a freshman, and I want to provide people with advice that can change their lives because it took me a while to learn this stuff. And if I can condense it and give it to you guys faster, I think that that'd be best for both of us. And there you have it, folks. We hope you enjoyed another episode of Exceptional Undergrads. 
If you found inspiration in today's episode, remember, your journey to excellence starts with one action. Head on over to our website, exceptionalundergrads.com, for more resources and to stay connected with our community of exceptional achievers. As we bid farewell to our exceptional guest, Cole, and the entire Exceptional Undergrads community, I leave you with these key takeaways. As a leader, it's important to be buddies with the people you lead. Never bring anyone down and always be positive. Smiling makes you happy and not as nervous during presentations. You don't know how short or long your life is going to be, so don't be nervous. It's not that deep. If this won't matter a year from now, don't stress. Now for our resource section of the podcast. The first thing is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Second thing would be Atomic Habits by James Clear. Third thing is the meditation app that I use called Headspace, which I am not sponsored by, not yet. And the last one is The Social Dilemma, which is the Netflix documentary that Cole mentioned. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Exceptional Undergrads. We're always looking for new undergrads to showcase in future episodes. If you are or know anybody else that could be perceived as an exceptional undergrad, please visit the Apply Here page on our website and fill out the application showcasing your talents. If you enjoyed today's episode and found it beneficial, please send it to a friend. My goal is to share different perspectives and knowledge to help others, and sharing this episode is the best way for you to help. As always, stay exceptional.